These must be chiefly, if not wholly, effects of the unsteadiness and injustice with which a factious spirit has tainted our public administrations. James Madison in the 10th Federalist Paper. Hello? 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 Oh, sorry about that, folks. I, I just got on Spotify, so just trying to figure out how all this works. Uh, hello. Hey, hey there. How y'all doing? And welcome back, finally, to another episode of Courtesan Session. I really do enjoy doing these and missed it, but, you know, me being in law school and all of that, it has taken a long time for me to get back. But summer is upon us. Um, I just finished my last fine, my first final, I should say, about half an hour ago. Big relief. Um, didn't want to get back to studying, but did want to talk about this. Um, me being a student of the law, I think it was pretty natural that I go ahead and talk about the recent trial of Derek Chauvin. And I, you know, know that there's tons of political commentary around this from both sides of the aisle. But what I've really tried to do um, is come up with something that I think is unique and that I, I really do try my best to not let a my previous political biases um, affect my thoughts on the trial. And two, I, I really try to make it about what is happening at the trial and not all the things that are surrounding the trial. Now, obviously, a lot of the stuff that surrounded the trial influences it influence the decision, perhaps, and I will be talking about that later, um, but I really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of the thing. So I talked to my professor yesterday, uh, my criminal professor, and he's given me um, a lot of uh, different things to think about that I'll be bringing up, um, and also we'll be reading from the actual statutes themselves of Minnesota which are a little bit strange. So without further ado, let's talk Derek Chauvin. Now, I think it was, what was it, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago? What is time anymore? That Derek Chauvin was convicted of three different things. Uh, for one, he was convicted of murder in the second degree. He was convicted of murder in the third degree. And he was convicted of manslaughter in the second degree. So we are going to be going through those one at a time. The first one I want to talk about is murder in the second degree. And this is one of the this is the first point in which Minnesota law is different than a lot of other jurisdictions. So most places when you hear murder, um, there's some sort of premeditation that's involved, and most of the time there's intentionality involved. But Minnesota, in their murder in their second degree murder statutes, actually has something. Their subdivision two, unintentional murder. Whoever does either of the following is guilty of unintentional murder in the second degree, and may be imprisoned for no more than forty years. Um, and the first one causes the death of a human being without intent to affect the death of any person while committing or attempting to commit 
a felony offense other than criminal sexual conduct in the first or second degrees with force or violence or a drive-by shooting. And then the second, or causes the death of a human being without intent to affect the death of any person while intentionally inflicting or attempting to inflict bodily harm upon the victim while the perpetrator is restrained under an order for protection and the victim is a person designated to receive protection within an order and all of this stuff about, you know, they have a restraining order against them um, and describes orders of protection. But I want to focus on the first one causes the death of a human being without intent to affect the death of the person while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense. So the predator, this is something called felony murder, and the idea is essentially if you commit, you know, predicate felony and somebody dies, then you are then you are then liable for the death of that person. So whether or not Derek Chauvin intended to kill George Floyd is irrelevant. The predicate felony that was present in this case which I need to look into because what was strange about it is he was not in the same trial charged with anything other than the three offenses that I listed before. But um, the predicate felony in this case would be use of excessive force. But now the thing that the prosecutor needs to prove is that uh, Derek Chauvin did in fact cause the death of George Floyd. And that's been something that has been um, a big controversy that I've heard. And people are saying, well, you know, he had a lot of he was very high and he had a lot of drugs in his system. Um, so a normal person wouldn't have died and things like that. Or it wasn't, you know, he wasn't being choked out um, by Derek Chauvin. Uh, he, he died of a heart attack, which I believe was the result of the autopsy. But I think if you take a step back and think about it, Derek Chauvin did, you know, kneel on George Floyd for nine minutes, I believe it was. And as you know, we have a lot of video of George Floyd before all of this happened during the arrest and any, all of this. And I think it's pretty clear to see that George Floyd wasn't about to just, you know, drop dead in the middle of the street. Um, additionally, the standard in Minnesota for this is what's called substantial contributing cause. So even if George Floyd would have died easier um, because he was high or, you know, if he hadn't had whatever it was, fentanyl in his system, um, even even if he hadn't, um, you know, died because of that, um, it doesn't it doesn't matter that he had other contributing causes to his death besides Derek Chauvin. Um, it's pretty clear, at least if you ask me, that a Derek Chauvin kneeling on him for nine minutes was a substantial contributing cause, be it you know causing a stress level that would cause him to go into cardiac arrest, be it um, you know, lack of oxygen to his brain, um, who knows? And it really doesn't matter. Um, as long as his actions, Derek Chauvin's was a 
substantial contributing cause, then, you know, that that's enough. And so on this count, um, I think that the jury was right. Uh, second thing, murder in the third degree. So again, we're just going to read through this law here. Whoever without intent to, inf to affect the death of a person causes the death of another by perpetrating any act eminently dangerous to others and invincing a depraved mind without regard to human life is guilty of murder in the third degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for mo not more than 25 years. So this was perhaps the most controversial of Chauvin's convictions for a couple reasons, but um, let me explain the law as I understand it, and as I've talked to my professor, I, I think I've got this right. So essentially the standard here is did Derek Chauvin create a situation which a reasonable person would expect the loss of life? Now, this is a this is a controversial interpretation of the statute because of the war, uh, because of the phrase "imminently dangerous to others." So we don't know in the case of Minnesota law if others is referring to anybody besides the perpetrator, or if it's others, plural, other than the person who's being perpetrated upon. Now, I would argue that the natural reading of that is that it's dangerous to others, somebody other than, in this case, Derek Chauvin, and um, that in in the law, there is a canon that goes something like um, the plural includes the singular and the singular includes the plural. So even though others here is plural, it could be one other, singular, another person, in this case, George Floyd. So with that being in mind, the way I would read the standard set in this statute is, did Derek Chauvin create a situation in which a reasonable person would say, yes, that could result in death? So taking a step back, could an individual kneeling on somebody's you know, upper back, lower neck, for nine minutes, could a reasonable person say that could result in the loss of a life? And when you look at it in that standard, I would say it's pretty clear that yes, I I think a and I think millions of people saw this video and said, yeah, that that absolutely is something that you can foresee happening if you put one hundred percent of your weight, which at times Derek Chauvin did on the lower neck of somebody then for nine minutes then they could die especially in the case where they've apparently passed out and aren't moving anymore additionally people from his police department testified that this is not a move a position that they are trained to use this was outside of Derek Chauvin's training um, and therefore would be negligent. And I think showed that he had a depraved mind and no regard for human life. Um, and that's the standard set there. So by that, I would say he is indeed guilty of third degree murder per the Minnesota statutes.
So finally, the third thing that he was convicted upon, and that was manslaughter in the second degree. And again, reading this, a person who causes the death of another by any of the following means is guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 10 years or payment of a fine of not more than $20,000 or both. One, by the person's culpable negligence whereby the person creates unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to another. Two, by shooting another with a firearm and a dangerous weapon as a result of negligently believing that the other to be a deer or other animal. Or three, by, sell by setting a spring gun, pitfall, deadfall, snare, or other, or, like, or other like dangerous weapon or device. Four, by negligently or intentionally permitting any animal known by the person to have vicious propensities or to have caused great or substantial bodily harm in the past to run uncontrolled off with off the other's premises or negligently failing to keep it properly confined or five by committing or attempting to commit a violation of section 609.378 negligent or endangerment of a child and murder in the first second or third degree is not committed thereby if proven by preponderance of the evidence, it shall be a, an affirmative defense to criminal liability under Clause 4 that the victim provoked the animal to cause the victim's death. And by the way, the reason I read the full statute um, when, you know, a lot of it has to do with animals or children or things that aren't applicable here by any stretch is because I want to, you know, read the full thing so it doesn't seem like I'm cherry-picking parts of the statutes to forward my own opinion on things. But I think it's pretty clear that the one to focus on is, is the first one. By the person's culpable negligence, whereby the person creates an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to another. It's manslaughter in the second degree. So I think a lot of that is very similar to the standard that is actually set in uh, third-degree murder. But what this doesn't have is the, you know, the others clause in there. It's clear that if you create a situation in which you are taking on unreasonable risk, and I think it's arguable, and I would argue, that unreasonable risk is by doing something outside of your training when there are other cops around that could subdue, um, you know, a person if needed. I'd say that's an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances on causing the death or great bodily harm of another. That's taking a chance when you are putting your entire body weight on somebody, right, you know, upper back, lower neck, that's taking a heck of a chance on that person's life. And I would say that that was pretty clear, again, by the video that we all saw. Then um, that, you know, he would be guilty of manslaughter in the second degree. Now, obviously, there is a lot more to this case that makes it controversial. Um, right before... Maxine Waters gave her whole spiel about how if this doesn't come back guilty, it's, you know, we got to demonstrate, we got to, you know, make sure we demonstrate highly um, and perhaps recklessly. Um, so, and there was, you know, the fact that it was done 
in the juror's district. Um, so they had all that weighing upon them. Um, there's questions about whether or not they were properly sequestered um, and things like that. Um, and that's that makes this a lot more difficult. And this is going to go up for appeal. But um, I first want to say that I think whether or not um, the jury was handled properly, and I, I do think that that's a big question and is worth thinking about because I think that the, you know, ideas of our criminal law system and, and the right to due process and a, and a fair and impartial trial are important and absolutely worth preserving by any cost. Um, I think that, you know, that's important to keep in mind. And that's what the appellate process is for. And it is certainly going to go to appeal. Um, there's a good chance that a new trial will be issued and things like that. But I think what people tend to do is when we see these apparent wrongdoings in the criminal justice system, we like to assume that everything that happened is wrong. So, you know, we may say, well, this trial was handled improperly, ergo, Derek Chauvin is not guilty. Or we may say, I don't like a lot of what the Black Lives Matter organization stands for, be it some of, you know, their um, apparent problems with the nuclear family or embrace of Marxism or things like that. Ergo, Derek Chauvin is not guilty. Or we think that Maxine Waters um, is undermining the American criminal justice system by assuming guilt of Derek Chauvin and trying to mobilize the American people um, to riot and things like that. Um, therefore, and we, we think that that's wrong. Therefore, Derek Chauvin is not guilty. And I think that it's important to look at the evidence here that was, you know, the whole world saw in, in that video. And I think it's also important to read the statutes with a clear mind and say, okay, well, there's all these problems with the jury um, that we can see. And absolutely, you know, he's entitled to, you know, an appeals process, perhaps even a new trial completely. But in my opinion, reading these statutes, and I think is pretty clear through, you know, from a lot of people reading them, that he was guilty and that the jury by one means or another came up with the right verdict here. So I think that that's a fine middle ground that we can all see. I think it's one that we can all stand on. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also say the following. I think um, conservatives and me in a past life included was like this. Um, we want to stand on the side of the police no matter what, because we see a lot of these attacks from the left. And, you know, we believe that people like to blame police for everything. 
and we say things like, well, you know, there's a few bad apples out there, but that doesn't mean that the whole force is corrupt. Well, be that as it may, one, police are not above the law. I think just because one is an arm of the government that should not afford them more protections. In fact, I would argue that that means that they should be under greater scrutiny. The whole purpose of law enforcement is to protect the rights of the citizens of the United States. So to allow to say that they should be awarded special protections or be allowed to do, you know, things just because they're an arm of the state, I think is is wrong. But it's also this this provided a really good opportunity for us that I believe that we squandered. Um, us being conservatives, I mean, I'm more of a libertarian than a conservative, but we preach that, you know, a few bad apples doesn't ruin the whole bunch. If we really believe this, then we need to go after the bad apples of the bunch. You know, Derek Chauvin had a history of malpractice as a, as a, as, as a law enforcement officer, um, several, you know, reprimands in his file and things like that. And he was caught on camera doing something that was wrong, that his department said he wasn't supposed to do, that was negligent, that was too much. And we need to recognize that. And we need to say that he needs to be punished if he did the wrong thing. I think that sometimes we as a society see the opposing side arguing something so we and we don't like them, so we have to say, well, anything they're saying is wrong. But that doesn't that that's part of our problem in America right now. And that does not lead to better political discourse and it makes us hate each other all the more. So if I can leave you with one word of encouragement, um, I, I hope that you listen to it and, you know, your your mind is opened as to what he was charged with. Um, but I would try to encourage you to, you know, just because your enemy is saying something doesn't mean that 100% of what they're saying is wrong. Um, you know, and let's not try to make Derek Chauvin a saint or a martyr because he's not. I think you can look at that video and say he absolutely did the wrong thing. So anyway, lovely topic. I really miss doing this. I am excited to do it more in the future. Now that uh, summer is upon us, um, I will definitely be doing these more often. I definitely want to talk more like philosophy and like history and things like that that I haven't been able to get around to. Um, but you know, I'd be remiss as a student of the law if I didn't put in my, you know, two cents that nobody wanted about this. Y'all have a good one.